0: Listeners, in this episode, I sit down to discuss tax law with Anthony DiRiso. Anthony practices in the area of tax controversies, tax litigation, and criminal tax matters before the Department of Justice and the IRS. I hope you look forward to our conversation today. This is Young Lawyer Rising from the ABA Young Lawyers Division and Legal Talk Network. Welcome back listeners, I'm your host, Montana Funk. Anthony, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm very excited to have you here today, kind of talk about, honestly, an area of law that I am not very familiar with, (laughs) and it's a very daunting area of law to me, that being tax. So, you know, before we kind of get into the nuances and all the specific details about this, I want you to tell our listeners just briefly how you got into this area? Because to me, it seems terrifying and numbers are scary. (laughs) So I'm always intrigued.
1: That's a very good question because it's not an area of law I always thought I would have ended up in. Definitely, it has a perception of being kind of scary. For some reason, people think there's a lot of math involved, which is not really my case. But how I got here, that you'd have to go back through undergrad. I had a very strong interest in economics and so part of that is you have public policy, and public policy, of course, entails tax um, because you can't pay for all these fund policies without some sort of revenue. So that was my, my actual initial interest. Um, I spoke with a professor, an economics professor, about that interest, and he actually recommended to me tax law is something that I'd be interested in. Uh, fast forward a few years, I ended up at law school, and I figured it'd be something I'd, I'd just try out probably not something I would master, but something I would at least dip my foot in. And I actually turned out to like it quite a bit. Um, I took as many classes as I could as a JD. But even beyond that, it wasn't really something that I thought I'd be practicing. It was just more of an interest. And then fast forward a few more years, now that I've graduated, I've started my job. I was lucky enough to be able to go to a firm that allowed me to kind of play around between the various practice groups. And so having taken a few tax classes, I thought tax might be one that I should at least get some experience in. I know that tax touches obviously everything. Um, So I thought at the very least I'd have some good exposure. I haven't really looked back since then. The subject matter I find very interesting. I'm a person who like, I like puzzles. I like being able to solve problems. And if that's sort of your personality, then tax is probably a good place for you because that's really what it is. The the tax code, the regulations is really just a bunch of rules that you get to look within and kind of find an answer. It's, It's not; it's a closed universe. It's not really one of those areas of law where the answer isn't out there. The answer is out there. You just kind of have to dig in through this like finite universe and find it. And so that that's kind of my overarching story of how I got here. It's one thing I'm proud of in it is that it was a, an area of law that I was able to choose. If I was told more or less to do tax law, it, I'd probably be like a, a teenager with, with their parents and probably wouldn't like it very much. But because I got here on my own, um, it's a choice that I've uh, since felt validated in making.
0: No, absolutely. Kind of sounds like you were at a firm that gave you the ability to grow into an area that you actually felt passionate about. Exactly. Yeah, though, that's awesome. And it's something you said was, you know, tax touches everything. So something that I think maybe a lot of our listeners aren't aware of is, well, you know, when you say that, when I think tax law or when I think some of our listeners think tax law, they probably just think transactional, right? Like you're just like you said, it's not math, right? But people think <laughs> that it's just transactional. So can you kind of explain to our listeners, are there other areas? Like, can you do it criminally? Can you do it civilly? Can you do litigation? Like, what exactly is tax law?
1: Well, tax is huge. I mean, it's it's an old saying, but it and it's cheesy, but two things in life, death and taxes. So yeah, so there's a transactional tax, and you're correct, and that's what most people think of when they think of tax. And that's an exciting area of the law in that if you're a transactional tax attorney, you're you're really kind of like a coach. You're the one who knows the rules, like you know the tax code and you know the regulations. And you kind of draw up a game plan for whatever the transaction is going to be based off of those roles. And all of the other attorneys out there who have different specialties kind of look to you to put together that game plan, and then they go out almost onto the field to implement it. So that is sort of the role of a transactional tax attorney. And it's it's very fun if that's what you like to do. But it's not by any means every role within the, the tax space. So I'm in a field that's known as tax controversy. It's a fancy name for being a tax litigator. I don't know how it got that name, to be honest. But that covers both civil and criminal litigation. On the civil side, you're primarily dealing with the Internal Revenue Service. You're dealing with audits um, and exams. And what that means in, in practice is that you'll be sitting at your office and then you'll receive an email or a phone call from a very stressed client who just received uh, some sort of notice from the IRS and they're looking for your guidance, your help. And so it's not so much um, on the transactional side, like you're figuring out which corporation to use as a blocker and this and that. On the controversy side, there's more of a human element to it. You're trying to figure out these people have issues, they're very stressed. How can we identify these issues, formulate a game plan how are you going to explain what actually happened here to the IRS and go forward? So it's, it's sort of a different process. And then of course there is a a criminal element to it. You've, I'm sure you've all heard of tax evasion cases. Um, There's some very famous ones out there, obviously going back to the forties with the mafia even. So it's a very broad field and it really does touch everything.
0: Something that I am curious about is, well, it's kind of a two part question I have. So I'll say it and then we can kind of answer it in the parts. So it sounds like the way your firm was when you first started was very giving in the sense that like we talked about before, kind of let you explore these areas. And something I'm curious about is you had mentioned, you know, you get to help people, like doing some of the tax stuff that you're doing when you're doing tax controversies, actually helping people who are stressed going through really important parts of their life. Did your firm paint it in a way or paint, I guess, your practice in a way that let you actually try these different areas of tax law? Or how did you realize, hey, there is this area that's not just transactional, but that's actually going to help people and help make you feel, you know, that you're actually doing something for a certain person?
1: So yes and no. It it wasn't as if they went out and advertised that, oh, you want to do tax? Well, here's this other area within it. Controversy and transactional tax kind of work hand in hand. They're kind of different faces on the same coin. So when you're a transactional attorney, you're you're kind of at the beginning of the process. Someone comes to you with an idea and they look to you to implement that idea. What What's the best way to go from A to B in the most tax efficient manner? Fast forward a few years, the IRS or the Department of Justice might come back and start looking at what that transaction was, and they may not always agree with the characterization that was done on the transactional side. And so here is where the, the, the controversy, the litigator comes into play. They are tasked with defending that same exact transaction, which already took place. So you're almost the forensic, you're a forensic investigator in a sense that you have to undo and undo the transaction that occurred and figure out why it occurred because usually there's more, there's not always tax reasons that dictate why a transaction plays out the way it does. So you have to figure out all these underlying reasons. Then you have to almost put together the story as to why it happened in a way that explains it to the IRS or to the DOJ and in a way that shows that you've done everything within the bounds of the tax code. So you really are on the same, different sides of the same coin. It's the same facts. You're just one's at the beginning the others at the end it's it's almost as if you're looking at it through a life cycle you you begin with the tax transactional person and then you hopefully never get to the controversy side but if you do they're there to help with any of those issues
0: no that's super interesting i want to take a quick break but when i come back i do want to kind of talk a little bit more about this It can be frustrating to wade through the malpractice insurance application process, but you know you need to protect your firm. ALPS designed their application to be flexible, easy, and 100% online. Fill it out, review your quote, accept, and pay in as little as 10 minutes. ALPS is the nation's largest direct writer of lawyers' malpractice insurance, and they are endorsed by more bar associations than any other carrier, so they understand law firms. They also know how valuable your time is, and that's why they make legal malpractice insurance easy. Visit alpsinsurance.com to learn more. That's A-L-P-S-insurance.com.
1: Delegate out those tasks that take up your time.
0: Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot CC and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. So before the break, we were talking about how it's kind of two sides of the same coin, having this, you know, you start off transactional and then hopefully nothing happens. But if something does, then that's where the person who's litigator would kind of come pick that up. So and, you know, like I said, I'm kind of naive to the whole tax realm. So explain to me, and our listeners, are you the attorney that's doing that starting point and then also ending the life cycle? Or is there separate attorneys that are jumping in at different points?
1: That is really Fact-specific. There are some people that only do transactional work. A lot of times people love the problem-solving aspect of being a transactional attorney. Um, they like being the, the sort of the coach game planning what the transaction is going to be, but they don't necessarily want to get up in court if it comes to that. Then there's the flip side of that where there are people who they are the true litigators. They enjoy persuasive writing, but they don't necessarily want to put together all of the structured charts. And then you find people who are in between, who do both, who do everything. And so it, it really runs the gamut. Practically speaking, though, the, the larger the transaction and these can get very, very complicated, there's going to be a lot of people involved. So sometimes the same law firm will do it from start to finish. Sometimes they might not have the the capacity or the resources to do everything. It's really fact specific.
0: No, that's really good to know. And the reason why I ask is because I think we're going to have some listeners who are like, hey, maybe this is going to interest me, right? Or maybe law students who are like, wait, do I want to try this out? And just kind of giving them guidance on how they would approach, whether it be a new job or their current firm and say, hey, look, there's this area. I'm really into the litigation aspect of it. I want to be in a courtroom or someone's like, I don't really want to do that, but I actually want to be behind the problem solving. So I think that that's important the way you explained it for our listeners to kind of be like, yeah, this is... There are certain parts and it kind of depends on where you are, but knowing that there's the option to kind of be fully involved in it or separate, it's kind of at least the way I'm interpreting it.
1: Nope. That's the correct way.
0: (laughs) Okay. And even talking about tax law is confusing, but it's really interesting. And I know that something else that people may not think about, but it's the holiday season. So I kind of think about it more is charities and charitable organizations. So can you talk to our listeners about how your work actually influences and is intertwined with some charitable organizations?
1: Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. So my clients kind of run the gamut. Not all of them are tax exempts. That's the the technical term for a a nonprofit organization in the tax space. But naturally and organically, it just came to be that a good portion of them are. Uh, This runs the gamut from hospitals, charities, basically anything that you, you can think of, anything that you could donate to and take a deduction for. I have seen, and it's a very fun area of the tax law. It's a very specific area of the tax law, but it's interesting in that most areas of the tax law explain how and why you should tax someone. This is the one area of the tax law which sort of does the opposite of that, which is when you should not tax somebody. And so there's naturally, if you if the government's giving you the opportunity to not pay taxes, they're going to put some strings attached. And so, your role as a tax attorney in this exempt space is really to guide the the client, the tax exempt organization through these roles. That way, they they don't trip up and all of a sudden find themselves owing sometimes a very large tax bill, especially if you've been exempt for a number of years and all of a sudden you found that something hasn't been reported correctly or the like, um, because that could end up with a very huge bill.
0: So, is it possible for an organization to go from tax-exempt to not tax-exempt if they wanted to, like even outside of mistakes? Like, is it possible for someone to be in a nonprofit and then switch over?
1: So the answer is is yes. One thing that's interesting is that when you look at this part of the code that deals with tax-exempt organizations, you can tell there's a very, there's an underlying philosophy to it. There's certain principles as to what should be taxed and what should not be taxed. And to not be taxed, you have to have constraints on how you, you use your money, you have to have constraints on what your your funds can be spent on, things like that. But outside of those constraints, a, a charitable organization and a, a tax exempt and a non-tax exempt usually are very similar in nature. A common example would be a hospital. A hospital can be tax exempt, or it could be not um, for profit. But at the end of the day, a hospital is a hospital. They're doing the same things. The 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 big difference is usually their their charter and what sort of constraints they place on on how they use their their funds and so you can go back and forth but it, it's it's not common and it's probably not easy but as initial determination what if you are for-profit you can make changes that would allow you to come into I guess the the spirit of the code and then eventually apply for a nonprofit status
0: okay now that's also really interesting because like you were saying there that, you know, the, the role of the lawyer is to kind of make sure that they're following all the things they need to follow in order to remain nonprofit, right? And and kind of that line, because I think too something that I didn't even realize is that it's probably pretty easy to cross over that line if you miss like one reporting requirement or something like that, right? So that's also kind of really important. And I, I'd be interested to see, you know, I, once again, kind of going back to you talking about helping people, I'm sure it's really rewarding for you to work with, charitable organizations. And I guess, what about your job do you find for our listeners who are like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm doing a job that I can actually see the direct impact that I'm having on my clients. What do you find about your job that allows you to do that?
1: So I guess taking a step back, the the tax controversy space is usually, it's a very small bar. There aren't very many people who practice in it. And so you'll find yourself on a very small team most of the time. And so if you're, what the benefit to that is you'll, you'll probably have a lot of client engagement early on, especially if you're a junior, a junior associate. And so you'll be working hand-in-hand hand with a lot of these tax-exempt organizations. And when you talk to them, inevitably, you'll see that they have a bigger, broader charitable mission. I mean, it, it could be conservancy. It could be an, a number of things. And they're usually going to be very focused on that mission. And so a lot of times these organizations can be strapped for cash or they have to make determinations on where to spend their resources. And so they'll want to spend as much as they can on their charitable purpose. But that means that they will need additional help with some of the less exciting things, which is usually tax. And so you get to work hand in hand with a lot of people within these big charitable organizations um, and they they come to you as a counselor, as an advisor, to help them navigate these really difficult roles, to help them stay as a charitable organization. And these people are obviously always all very good people, and they're always very grateful. And it's it's something that I I like about the job. It's it's sometimes you you have clients. Not every client can be that like is always happy to engage with a lawyer. But my experience, at least so far, has been that. Charitable organizations understand how complex and sophisticated these roles are, and they they relish the, uh, the role of the counselor.
0: Absolutely. We'll take one more quick break, then we'll come back with some easier questions for you. This episode is brought to you by the American Bar Association's Young Lawyers Division. Starting a new career in the law can feel overwhelming. The ABA YLD provides resources, CLE, and a network of peers from coast to coast to help you settle into your new legal career. Claim your Young Lawyer membership for just $75 at ambar.org join. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at InfoTrack.com simple. So before the break, we were kind of getting into, you know, what exactly your role is with a charitable organization and kind of how you see your work play in to actually help people, you know, and and now kind of taking away from the clientele, I kind of want to focus more on you and the role of the actual attorney, because obviously taxes, especially I'm sure tax season can get crazy how do you, when you have those kind of ebbs and flows and the higher up, uh, you know, seasons of practice, how are you actually managing your time? Especially, you know, working in New York is I believe where you are and I'm sure that there's, you know, big firms there and there's a lot to do and it's busy and hustle and bustle. So how are you finding the time to actually like decompress from your job?
1: Yeah. Decompress is a, is the right word there. (laughs) I mean, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing law or not, jobs are stressful um, and it's it's always important to find an outlet. A phrase that comes to mind, which again, I'm not a philosopher, so I couldn't tell you what it actually means, but it's an old phrase about the unexamined life is not worth living. If, if you're just doing something and you don't really know why you're doing it, your life is going to be a lot more stressful than, than it probably needs to be. And that's especially true if you're a very um, pressure-filled job where you could find yourself kind of in a little feedback loop where you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. So one way I try and like decompress and take a step back is I, I, I like to calendar. I like to I'm a list person, and so I, I like to find I guess just anything events in the area that are interesting, shows that are interesting. Um, if I know it's a specific time of the season, I'll either I'll try and make set aside time to do things that I like at the beach or at a park or anything like that. And it's really just taking a step back, looking at your life, looking at what it is that you want to do, looking at why you're doing the things you're doing and just making time for what's important to you. And so, I mean, if you're a person who does a hobby, then obviously you're going to have to set aside time. Me, I was never really into hobbies, but I was into seeing shows, events, parades, things like that. So it's just finding the time. It, It usually requires a lot of forethought. I usually look a month in advance to see what's coming up that month. And I, I jot it down. And I know from that point, that day from 12 o'clock to three o'clock, I'm just going to set aside the time and that's what I'm going to do. And really taking that time, making that effort on, on the uh, the beginning to just find some moments for myself, that that really helps me decompress and handle a lot of the stresses of life. And so, yeah, if you're not a big calendar, if you're not into, big into making lists, I uh, I would recommend it. I think it would go a long way in a planning some de-stressing times in your life.
0: I'm a big list girl, so I support that. <laughs> I love having my lists. For the listeners who are, you know, sat through this and maybe now piqued their interest to get involved in this area, do you have any advice or recommendations on what they should do to either start researching, getting involved, or actually how they can be directly involved?
1: It depends on where you are in your I guess, your professional life. If you're still in law school, I would definitely recommend that you at least take income tax or corporate tax. Obviously, that's going to be incredibly helpful no matter what you do. If you've graduated law school and have begun your actual legal career, just ask. There's going to be a tax person no matter where you go because there has to be because tax touches so many things. Even if that's not their official title, there's inevitably somebody who's designated as the tax person and just go and set up some time and talk to them and see what it is they do on a day to day. And from there, see if you can get involved, try out a few of their projects. It's, it's really just making the effort and making the attempt because you'll, you'll never really know until you actually try. If you're in a bigger city, uh, one thing I can't recommend enough is the tax court travels ride circuit throughout the country. So it's in various cities at various locations um, if you're a barred attorney, they, they have the, they're called calendar calls um, in which a lot of pro taxpayers. So basically just normal people with tax problems can, are invited to show up to the tax court and, um, to resolve their issues. And they're always looking, there's usually the the, the local borough set up some sort of event where attorneys can go and talk to these people about their tax issues and try and help them discuss these issues with the IRS and hopefully r- result in some sort of settlement or at least an understanding as to what needs to be done to, to fix whatever's been, I guess, interfering with their, uh, their compliance. And so getting involved in a program like that, I also can't stress enough. And it, it's also a very good program because you'll meet a lot of interesting people, either in the tax bar, normal human beings, uh, really across the board.
0: No, that's awesome. I did not know that. So I think that that's a super good resource for sure. And of a good way it sounds like to kind of dip your toes in and still help but maybe not take that full dive in so that's awesome and and my last question for you it's the easiest one i have i want you to (laughs) you're like oh no that's not gonna be the easiest tell our listeners any last words of advice you have from them and then where they can find you sure
1: so words of advice be particular about what it is you do and how it is you spend your time because you've got very limited time especially once you start a job no matter what job that is you're going to find that you don't have all the time you want to do all the things you want. So just be particular about how it is you spend your time, make time for things that interest you. And if there's something that's really just causing you stress and you don't know why you're doing it, see if you can cut that out of your life. Where you can find me, that's a a better question. So usually at the beach, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it and I wish you all the best and hopefully you have a great holiday season.
1: Thank you. No, I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Thanks. Listeners, that's our show for today. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And you know that if you like what you heard, recommend our show to a friend. We can be found anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I'm Montana Funk, and you've been listening to Young Lawyer Rising, brought to you by the ABA Young Lawyers Division and the audio professionals at Legal Talk Network.